0: This is the Mindbox podcast hosted by Claire Jacobs. Mindbox is a space to talk about our minds and mental health, so we cover topics that can be of a triggering or sensitive nature. We will always highlight the topics we cover in the show notes of each episode's description, so please read these before listening. Please note we're not medical experts, we're only experts of our own mental health experiences. To find out more about the pod or contact us, find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using the name Mindvox Pod. Welcome back to part two of an interview with Iman Ghati. This section will look at How she has coped with ADHD as an adult, how she's processed the grief of being undiagnosed or so she thought for most of her life and how she got through that once she got her diagnosis and managed to reframe it, heal from it, and how she's turned it into a positive, as well as looking at the types of grief, how we process it with some amazing advice for all of us. So please enjoy.
1: So when I became an adult, I moved to Victoria, actually, where your family you've visited, and I became a travel agent because I just love to take off and not be where I was. And I realized I was so far behind my peers. Like I could see them being like, oh, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to get a job and I'm doing this. Like they had plans. And when you're neurodivergent, you can't decide sometimes what to do. It's like all the ideas come at the same time and then you get overwhelmed and you can't decide which one to do first. You ever have that feeling where you're not sure which step to do first, even though. Every day, all day, yeah. that's,
0: unless that's I try whole- and take meds and then it gets a little <laughs> bit clearer, but not amazingly
1: right it doesn't cure it right so it's like every day like i'm sometimes stuck in the middle of my house going like there's i have to do laundry i have to do this but i have to get to work and have to write that blog and then i have to i'm like i have to shower and then like two hours later i've just sat there and my husband's like are you okay and i'm like what should i do first and he's like how about eat something let's eat something and then you shower and then i'm like okay good idea so that's how i felt as an adult like i was like How are people making linear plans? Like, I'm just really not aware of how. So I had to be, it was humiliating, but in myself, because I thought I was supposed to know better. Yeah. But I had to humble myself and be like, I don't, I'm not like everybody else. I'm stuck and I'm suffering. And I hate when my mind is when no one's around me. I hate my brain. And I was so busy and loud. And so I went to get therapy. And even though they didn't notice I had ADHD, but I never told people the symptoms I had. Right, like I was embarrassed. I'm like, I'm not going to tell someone if all my peers look like they know what they're doing. (laughs) Mm. I just felt embarrassed. I already had enough problems, I don't want anyone to think I'm other than so. I started just finding that therapy worked for me for the PTSD and the anger. I went to anger management classes, I did lots of therapy, I started exercising a lot, which helps get the energy out Mm. because I'm very hyperactive, so I'm like, all the way distracted and all the way hyperactive Mm. so either I can't figure out what to do or I'm washing behind the fridge you know like organize the cupboards like yeah and people are like my husband will come on me like I literally don't know what you're gonna do today like I mean last weekend I just painted the whole front area of the house and I like (laughs) Mm. you know I'll just be like I'm gonna do this for 14 hours and no one will stop me and I won't eat or anything and it's like okay lady So I decided that I wasn't like everyone else and that I deserved to be at least nearby where I wanted to be in regards to dreams. So I went to therapy, started working on that and started learning about grief recovery, started learning about my brain being PTSD, not realizing also neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. And then that really catapulted me. It really started helping because I started honoring what I needed. So Mm -hmm. if I felt angry, I let myself be angry. I let myself be sad. Every feeling like a sneeze or a cough like has to come out. Like you don't get mad at your body for sneezing. So don't get mad for crying. Don't get mad for having a temper tantrum, but have a safe temper tantrum, a consensual temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. Do not do things that you regret because you're not training your dragon, you know? So it's like, I don't have support. I didn't have people telling me I was fabulous. I had low self-esteem. So I had to work on my self-esteem because I absolutely hated myself and I realized like when I worked on all those things, all of a sudden I was working harder than no one else is working on them because they didn't need to. Right. Yeah. Suddenly I had skills that the neurotypical people with happy childhoods didn't have. They were like, Oh, oh. I, I, all of a sudden, like all of a sudden it took like decade um, became, but I all of a sudden noticed that I was ahead in regards to emotional intelligence and regulation ability. And then suddenly my peers who I was very jealous of, years earlier were asking me for advice and i'm like oh my gosh i have more vocabulary than them i understand feelings more I understand how my brain works more right nice. holy crap i have a phd in life you know like in
0: brilliant
1: in school of hard knocks right so it's like suddenly i was getting asked for advice and advice and advice and i'm thinking that's so odd yeah. i don't know more than you and i thought yeah you do babe because you work harder than them because they never had to try about mm-hmm. that so then i was like I'm going to start sharing my story and I'm going to start, I wrote a, you know, best-selling memoir about my life story. And then I started writing children's books and I started becoming a public speaker and giving keynotes. And suddenly it was like, girl, you're an expert. Okay. Like yeah. you are an expert on grief recovery and I'm an expert on my life and my brain as, as my, my studies have been about me, but it helps other people.
0: Yeah, to definitely. Hear, Right. So And where did you go then from that point to suddenly going, do you know what? I need to get looked at for ADHD. Like what, who put that? Did someone talk to you or did you discover it yourself?
1: (laughs) I was hanging out with a friend and they were like, they talking about their ADHD and I was like, oh, that's, yeah. I've heard about that. I've heard lots of people have it. Yeah. And then I, he was saying things and I kept saying, yeah, me too. Oh, I do that. That's not ADHD. I do that too. Yeah. Oh, you have sticky notes. I was like, oh, you should see my office. It's covered in sticky notes. I have seventy-five notebooks. I can't even keep track of what I'm writing. And then he's like, like you have ADHD. Yeah. And I was like, I'm trying to tell him, no, you're not. And he's trying to t- like, and instead, yeah. it was just confessing. And I thought that's ridiculous. Okay, I have been in therapy my whole life. Surely someone would have noticed that. That's so
0: oh, no. I'm like yeah. no So that I went home. females. Definitely not. Females are so different, uh, aren't they?
1: Yeah, because females keep the, we keep it here in our brain. We get anxiety. We don't tell anyone because God forbid we weren't pretty and quiet and nurturing and helpful and sweet and ladylike. And <laughs> totally. You're in your head like the boys are jumping off of walls. Yeah. So I went home and did all the tests online that I could and they were like, yep, 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 yep. And then I thought, okay, now I need to talk to a doctor about this. It's ridiculous. Mm. And then as I kept reading what I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Oh, my gosh. That's why I'm like, yes, I do that, too. And it was so clear that when I went to the official diagnosis, they were like, you are extremely on both ends of the distractibility and the hyper focus, hyperactive. Yes, madam. And you also have OCD tendencies, which oh. I developed to manage the adhd because you forget everything because you're paying attention you know people think it's an attention deficit but it's actually it's the opposite we hear everything and we're noticing everything at the same time so if we're noticing everything at the same time we forget where we put our keys (laughs) Mm, because the bird chirps right yeah so i developed ocd so that i went around my house looking at turning off the stove twice three times four times the garage is it closed? Is the garage closed? Is the garage closed? Is the garage closed? The garage is closed, you know. And the garage is closed. Yeah. I drive away. I drive back. Is the garage closed? It's yeah. closed. All right, we can go now. Yeah. So late for everything. Always yeah. frantic.
0: That sounds very similar. And I think what what I found really interesting is so at 39 you you got the diagnosis, but then you yeah. discovered. How did you discover that actually you'd already been diagnosed as a child? So I called my brother. I said.
1: Because I think to myself, him and I, are one of my brothers are very similar. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, did you know that you probably have ADHD? Because I just got diagnosed and I'm telling you. And he's like, yeah, we both got diagnosed when we were little. Wow. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we don't want to tell you. I don't want you to have to think you're mentally crazy or
0: anything like that so how because I would almost kind of feel like being a diagnosed as an adult is quite a grief process anyway because you're grieving what could have been if you'd have known and how you might have done things differently and learned about yourself and you know maybe not have dysregulated so much because you might have been given the tools at a younger age yeah. to make better behavior decisions and right. stuff but but sort of then to know that you kind of knew back then as well and, and people knew but didn't support yeah. you with it like how was that like another grief process for you to have to go through again? Yes, because there
1: was so much neglect anyway in my life. Mm. In foster care, right, I was absolutely abused with all the different ways you don't want little girls to be abused Mm. and treated just poorly. And then to have that be another thing, I felt like, geez, was anyone caring about me at all? Like, Mm. did you guys notice me at all? Did anyone wake up and think, well, this poor little girl needs – attention and love and safety and security like seriously Mm. like you found out I could use medication and you chose not to not even not medicate me not even tell me I have an ailment not teach me how to use my brain Mm. so the people you know if you saw the people that I lived with you wouldn't be shocked at it but it was another just another thing that felt like wow you poor thing, man, nobody really was noticing you. And so I had to, I did, I cried for a long time. I really had to work through the grief of that neglect and abandonment feeling. And then, you know, I always turn everything into empowering myself. Like, okay, well, guess what? Now I know. And I will, I'm always reparenting myself. Yeah. I'm going to be the best mama bear to myself that I can be. So now that I know, it's a shame I didn't know earlier. We're going yeah. to recover. We're going to recover from this as much as we can.
0: And I, I sort of wondered for other people that might be listening that might also be uh, late, late diagnosed with any divergence. Do you have any tips on how they can work through the grief that that will inevitably bring them?
1: Yeah, for sure. So in grief recovery, the first thing we want to do is be willing. Are you willing to grieve? Because as you notice, and you mentioned, you know, maybe your stepson's, if some people aren't willing to grieve, you're not going to force anyone to do it. Mm -hmm. So I always think you just need 1%. You don't have to be like, yeah, I can't wait. No, it's not even that, you know, it's very painful. So I understand why no one's running open arms. First step. Are you willing? Do you want to get better or not? Be honest, because you're not going to get anywhere if you lie to yourself. Second step. Write down every single thing that you feel about that. Write down all of the ways that it affected you. Everything, like when we do grief recovery, the first step is writing a, you know, a loss history graph. It's literally a graph from the minute, the first memory you've ever had in your life to now, and every loss you've ever experienced big and small. I mean, every loss, like every time a pet died, every time someone hits you, every time someone said something mean to you, anytime you felt lost, you moved houses causes grief because there's over 44 kinds of grief. So a lot of people only think of death, right? but it's loss of health, loss of opportunity, loss of hopes and dreams. So when I was grieving, finding out later that I'd already been diagnosed, part of that was lost hopes and dreams. Hmm. You know, the hopes and dreams that first of all, someone gave a crap about me to to care about my health. Also all of the ways I could have been as a child supported and happy. Had Mm -hmm. I been given Medical care. Like that is just so shameful. So you write down every experience you have, which takes time. You know, I tell people do it in an hour. Don't try to like dig into the basement of your memories or anything. Just write down every sad thing that's ever happened to you. And then identify to yourself which one was the most sad or which couple were the most intense sadness and which were the least intense, just for your reference for yourself. And from there, you're going to see. What patterns you had in your life, you know, maybe you'll say, oh, wow, look, I had a horrible five years and it was so grief stricken. And that's kind of when I was doing lots of drinking and lots of whatever, workaholic. And, you know, I was doing lots of terrible things to, to cope with those things. So you start to learn your habits on how you process. How do you process grief? What habits do you take on when you're very, very grief stricken? For me, I like to drink, party, distract mm-hmm. myself, travel move I have moved apartments and houses more times like over 44 times because I make something new to think about oh it's exciting oh I've got a new place oh I've got to think about the new wallpaper the new paint the new pictures new Mm -hmm. jobs new boyfriends so people who are always doing these crazy transitions in their lives are usually oftentimes trying to get that energy out but it's not a very healthy way to do that wow so so, yeah, so those first steps, you know, will get you a lot further than yeah. uh,
0: you imagine. Because it doesn't sound like much, but when you sit down and do it, you're like, ow, it's very yeah. deep. That's massive. And I guess since having your diagnosis, what, a couple of years ago, yeah. has yeah. life changed or totally. is it still the same? Like, what what's changed yeah. for you? It's not so hard really? because I was...
1: Forcing myself to be neurotypical. I was masking all the time mm. and, you know, masking, pretending to be someone I am not. Mm-hmm. I was not respectful of my boundaries as much in regards to my energy and sensory overload. I had zero clue that I was being sensory overloaded, sincerely. Mm. I am not one for bright lights anyway. Like, I've so, always been like, there's some lights in my house where I'm like, yeah. I've never turned them on. I'm like, my husband, I'm like, don't you dare, like, remove the bulbs from that place. Who
0: would buy such bulbs? Yeah, and- 100%. I have, like, little tiny lamps. The, the lighting I have on now, which looks awful in this camera, <laughs> is driving me mad because Aww. it's the bright lights, just so that you don't see a pitch of blackness. <laughs> um, right. If I do not turn on my lights, I can't stand it. No. So it's definitely yeah. a thing.
1: Totally, and sounds and... Mm. Being interrupted I didn't realize that like when I'm focused on a task and people interrupt me I'd be like correct <laughs> and then yeah. you just look rude I think when you don't know you have ADHD or autism you just look like a really rude selfish person mm-hmm. and I felt like I gave myself so much more grace the last couple of years that I am a really generous kind-hearted person when I'm not overstimulated and I didn't realize that When I force myself to interact, when I force myself to go to the family dinners and the family functions, I actually require a lot of quiet time in my life and a lot of recharge time. And so I turned it down. I just was like, oh, I can only say yes, like twice a week to do events or something like I'm not able to. And it's not because I don't like you or I don't really wish I could. It's so it gave me that permission and also to explain to people like, hey, guys, you know. I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now, like even to my daughter. Mommy's feeling super overwhelmed right now, so I'm not in the best space to be having this mm. chat. Mm. I'm going to go take a little walk or go water the garden or go do something. Do you want to come paint with me? But I'm not going to talk. I'm going to put my headphones on, love, and I'm going to paint. But you're welcome to be painting with me when we're not talking. And Brilliant. giving I, that- I
0: had that restraint. <laughs> I, I tend to... Oh. It's really hard still for me to kind of clock it before I'm already at the dysregulation. Oh,
1: me too. It's just better. Yeah. Still losing my marbles, honestly. And I bought these loop earplugs. Have you heard of them? Yes, I have. Are they any good? Yeah, they're great. They're so awesome because you can change the the amount that they work. And so they are... I have them in here. They're like... They let you... Hear things that are only directly in front of your face. Okay, so, so if, if I, I put them
0: in, numb the background noise. Mm-hmm. So I
1: didn't realize when we went out and about in the public that that's the problem that I was happening is that my brain was hearing the sounds up, you know, in the in the mall or wherever we're at the dinner party. Yeah, I'm like hearing conversations in another room while someone's ch- and anyone who has ADHD knows that like you could be yeah. sat right in front of us and we're like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We look like we're listening. We don't Yeah, understand. and we're like
1: <laughs> oh. and I'm literally listening to seven conversations back there. And I'm like yeah. because for anyone listening that doesn't understand, our brains don't let us decide which sound is the first most prominent sound and which sounds are the background sounds. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you're talking to someone who's literally here and all you can hear is the dog barking outside. Yes. That's- and the person's like wah, 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 and you're like, god damn it that dog right? Eh? and when you take the medication or when you have the skills like to not be so overloaded you can focus better and so it's changed my life quite honestly because i get i was worried that it would make me less me the
0: medication you know mm. that's a but common theory for a lot of people but it doesn't really It just sort of and it, yeah. it wears off you yeah. know every yeah. day you still last to long you But I think what I, I love the way that you, you, so you've tried to adapt yourself, but I kind of wonder how easy that is when we're still in very much a neurotypical society in the workplace, you know, in socializing and actually whilst like my partner, who's also now just been diagnosed ADHD, he's got a great understanding of it because he's been learning about it. So when I act that way in front of him and I say, oh, that's the ADHD, he'll get it but to mm-hmm. other people around me when I'm explaining it because they don't do the research no. it's almost like oh it's a trend oh you just use, and or they don't know about it so they don't understand what well, you're just being rude actually and when you've had all those years of thinking you're blunt you're rude you're this you're that mm-hmm. and then you find that actually it's not it's something else yeah when these people still don't understand what that is it's like yeah. do you ever have you experience sort of trying to go well you know, like I need that time, I need to go and have my, I'm overstimulated and they're a bit like, what's yeah. going on about? What's this ADHD rubbish you're talking about? Oh, everyone's right. got it these days. So how do you sort of manage things? Yeah. I don't know if you've got people like that around you. Yeah,
1: but- or people say oh, everyone's a little bit on the <laughs> spectrum. Everyone's a little bit, and you're like
0: Yeah, no, they're not.
1: No, you're not. It's just that I'm not an alien. I'm not telling you I'm an alien. I'm telling you that some of my behaviors while well, yes. all human behaviors are attributed to this disorder or this diagnosis. So for me, one thing that's really powerful, stop explaining yourself to people. I'm not asking you if I can be neurodivergent. I am neurodivergent. Here's what I need. Stop. I don't explain. Like, I'll explain why. I have no problem being a respectful person. So I'll say, oh, you know, you invite me to your house this Saturday. I say, oh, I wish I I could. Honestly, I've got an event Friday night and I just know myself. I'm going to be burnt out on Saturday. So I'll have to catch you next time. But thank you for thinking of me. And maybe I'll drop off flowers during the week and have a coffee with you if I can. I cannot come tomorrow because my brain is going to be still tired from the thing I did today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if anyone has a problem with that, well, then you're not very respectful to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's I don't true. need you to understand me. I need you to respect me and accept me. I don't yeah. explain myself. So if someone's curious and they're like, what? How come you never come to my house? I say, you're right. It's because when I come to your house, there's 75,000 sounds going on. <laughs> the TV's blaring. You're a loud talker. At Helen, <laughs> I literally am going to explode. So maybe I'll bring my headphones and I'll wear them. Like yesterday, I went to the mall with my daughter. I promised her to go to this huge mall we have here. It's like West Edmonton Mall. It's like one of the biggest malls in the world. Wow. And it is exhausting. And I brought my Bose giant headphones. And I said, "I'm coming. I'll will take you." But I'm wearing my headphones because mommy can't. I can't. I don't want to get mad at the mall when I'm trying to have a fun oh, date. With yeah. So I brought my big headphones. And I I put one on and I took one off every now. You know.
0: Do they work better than the loops for things like that? Then is, is yeah, there certain uh, events where the loops are better than you know which which are better for what?
1: Yeah. The these ones like the Bose ones they're sound cancelling like right so nothing at all like I do this like and then when I'm talking to her like close obviously I take them off but I can't hear thankfully when I'm in a huge crowd I don't want to hear anything around like far back like I'll just take one off because I find that like just my dominant ear I just kind of have it where my daughter is there and she's talking Mm -hmm. to me I can hear her but I don't need to hear like everything on this side Whereas the loop ones, I'm still getting used to them. They come with all these attachments. So I've been practicing. Oh. And sometimes, um sometimes I just find like they're I can't figure out the right, you know, measurement for this the place. So I just wow. do like all or nothing sometimes, like to make it a little bit easier. But um I've stopped feeling less than. I think that's is just like this is how I am. And if anyone had like a any other you know it's not a disability but if anyone had like any kind of you know sore leg or a bad knee or a bad hip or a bad back like I would accommodate them as a gracious kind-hearted person like so I have a, a brain that's a bit wacky sometimes I need accommodation if you're not willing to then I'm I'm afraid you're not a safe person to have in my life
0: that's a brilliant way of looking at it no that's brilliant yeah. thank you so much for coming on I know I've just thank literally you. gabbed for ages with you, but I, love- I- I could do like 20,000 pods with you because I think you've got so many interesting, important things to say, both about grief, but also about neurodivergence. I think I should have booked you for like (laughs) 20,000. I love it. Do it. Let's have more. There's no... There's so much about you, sort of the female ADHD, the autism, because that is another huge one for adult females. That no, oh. it's just not enough information about that. Oh, no, um, and people think you have to be like nonverbal to be autistic, and it's like it's, oh it's a huge incorrect stigmas going on about yeah. that in particular, just like ADHD, but yeah but no and you have just got so many things so from what i was reading you obviously that like you've talked about you've got a book that talks about your life but you've yeah. also written a children's book now is that about really what's that about it's oh three children's books oh my goodness
1: yeah so i have uh, my memoir called cracked open never broken and it's on amazon if anyone is interested Yeah, i'll
0: put the links on the show notes so
1: yeah and so i then i wrote i decided that I always think of legacy when I have a child, like having a child made me think of like my mother passing really young when I was young. And I was kind of worried that what if I die and I don't have the chance to see my daughter grow. So I thought, Oh, I'm going to make as many books for her as I can that when she's like an adult. So they're all just about what she's kind of interested in the year. So I wrote one. It's just a song. It's called the morning. Her, Her name is Raphael, but we call her Fifi. And it's called Fifi's Morning Song and it's a song that I invented when I was just a new mom and I was singing to her about I wanted her to know that every day is a new chance to turn it all around and the theme of this book is like today's a day we haven't seen before like make the best of it yeah Mm -hmm. and so that's that book and then I wrote her an alphabet book so she obviously was learning the alphabet Mm -hmm. and then I'm writing another one right now it's like numbers just like numbers and shapes and stuff and then Um, we just wrote another one that's about to be published. It's all done. Just have to finish one thing. It's her preschool going to preschool. So that's what she did last year was her first year of preschool. So it's like Fifi goes to preschool and you're just like learning about being kind and what, why we go to school to learn how to be the best us and spread our kindness and our talents in the world. And I just want her to have a library. So every year I'm going to write her a book about, a message I want her to remember forever
0: that's amazing that is absolutely beautiful <laughs> now I'll definitely put them in the show notes and if anyone wants to sort of find out more about what you do because I know you run uh, various courses as well don't you whether that's grief and I've seen ones sort of about is it spirit junkie masterclass that sounds really interesting where can they find you
1: so my website Iman com, and then my full name on every social like I do lots of tiktok is where I'm I love TikTok. Same here. <laughs> yeah, it's so good for neurodivergent people because you can just like learn something yes, in three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ooh, how right. do you bake a pot? Ooh, how do you learn about like plumbing? It's like so Ooh. bizarre and
0: random. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, Ultimate yeah, do- dopamine hits, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's sometimes too good. Yeah, so, you were careful. <laughs> Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. And I'm actually giving a, am doing a free sort of workshop. On October 14th, and
0: okay.
1: it's like noon my time, which is like seven hours behind you. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I guess it'd be this time, it'd be like the evening for you guys. If anyone wants to join that, I'd be happy to have you. It's just uh, I'm gonna teach everyone about brief recovery and I'm gonna talk about some of the I'm gonna show you some of the movements, the somatic exercises that I do when I'm having a meltdown and how to get those feelings out of your body. And a lot of grief is stored in your hips and your jaw and your hips and your jaw are connected so if we can get those out you'll be more flexible you'll have better regulation and you'll just feel better so that's a workshop i'm gonna give on october 14th friday and i think it's in two weeks yeah
0: yes two weeks yeah. yeah i can't believe we're in october so that can be found on your facebook page there'll be information about how to join that yeah i think i I might have to join that myself i would
1: love that so i'll send you an email and invite you and give you the zoom link and if anyone wants to come it's free and we're just gonna hang out and i'll just tell you all my nonsense about what i believe in and if it works for you take it with you if it doesn't leave it there fabulous
0: well, thank, thank you so you much for coming time. on and telling your story yeah, you pleasure. are incredibly inspirational and now I need to go and look at your tiktoks I think thank <laughs> you for my latest hyper focus I think that'll be great well, <laughs> yeah right wow no thank you so much and yeah if you could ever come back again that would be absolutely oh, amazing I think you're so that is really interesting to to hear Um, And I think you're going to continue to do things that will be quite interesting to hear about. So, um,
1: Thank you. And thanks for having me and this podcast. It's really special for people like you in the world to make a platform to talk about these things. It's Mm. so important and truly you change the world by doing that. So I really appreciate people like you. So thank you for having me. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you. You take care. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you've liked this episode, please help us out by liking, subscribing, or leaving us a review as this helps us to reach more people. If you've got any ideas about topics to cover on future episodes or questions about the pod, or you even want to be interviewed for it, please get in touch on our socials using at mindvoxpod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, or email us on mindvoxpod at gmail.com.